Hi, and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Welcome back to 2021, and thank you so much for being here. Today's chat is the first of the year and is with Ryan Berry, head chef at Norton's Hotel in Parkville. Now, I love all my chats with chefs, and it's a gift to be able to sit down with them and hear their story. Talking to Ryan was definitely a highlight. Ryan is thoughtful and extremely articulate in the way he talks about cooking, teaching younger staff how to navigate chef life sustainably and with joy, and how important it is to work with ethical and passionate suppliers and producers. Norton's is one of those beautiful pubs where the decor makes you wish it was your home. The first thing you notice when you walk in the door is the specials board, taking pride of place on the wall. Unlike many specials boards, this one celebrates the farmers and the fishermen who provide the food on your plate. For Ryan and the team at Norton's, where food comes from and how it's treated from start to finish is vitally important. I loved every minute of this chat and I can't wait for you to hear it. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? Awesome. So I know if I've got a I know, do you want to have a go? Would you like a coffee or something? I'd love a coffee, thank yeah? you. Yeah, that'd be great. Just a flat white, please. Just a flat white? Yeah, thank you. All right. Where are we going to start on? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> just, just under the Thank you. Thing. This is a beautiful place. Thank you. It's been a weird couple of months, hasn't it? So, yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. And so, how has. Because so have you, you've worked the whole way through? Um, well, on and off. We were. We did like takeaways um, during the first lockdown and like a, a daily style offering, which was great for the um, immediate locals, but we didn't feel it was actually worthwhile for us. Mm. Um, there were nights when we were doing two or three meals um, out of the five we were open. So it just didn't, um, it just didn't make sense. Um, and then thankfully we could open up in, in June um, mm. and then it was gangbusters for a while. And, and obviously we all know what happened then. Um, and then we were kind of racking our brain on what to do next and well, we're kind of looking at the, the HelloFresh and the Soleros and those kind of like those boxes. Um, and so we did the Pub in the Box, which yeah. was, um, yeah, about eight, I think we did eight, eight weeks worth. Um, and it was a massive hit for us. So, yeah, so that's well, what a, we did. Yeah. yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. And, um, and I suppose Provador were doing sort of similar things where they were, they were bringing restaurants to, to people's places. Exactly. And, yeah. It's very, very clever. Very, but it's amazing, isn't it? Because you probably didn't... I think there's lots of things that none of us would have considered that were possible. Exactly. Because <laughs> you don't need to think about those things or other ways of doing things when no. everything's norm- normal. normal. Exactly. <laughs> whatever, exactly. Whatever normal will ever be again. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, oh, look, I think everyone had to be resourceful and and, um, and smart about what the next step was going to be. And yeah, we just, I thought. Look, it wasn't. It didn't, it didn't um, make us a lot of money. I mean, we're no. probably we're probably just making about fifty percent what we normally make on that sort of like style um, of food. But it kept our brand alive, which is the most important thing in that time, I think. Um, yeah. And we definitely attracted a whole lot of customers that we didn't have before. Yeah, um, okay. Because we actually started off with a five uh, five kilometer radius, and we went up to ten. Um, and we're taking food out below South Sierra and stuff, and so, which was great. You know, people people now are traveling across the city to come to us. Which yeah. Is, um, which we weren't expecting to, to be outcome. So, well, that's very, good, isn't yeah. it? I think in in some ways, being so isolated from each other, um, it did encourage different kinds of communities, I guess. So then, if you get people who see well, you're doing this good thing and it's yes. done well, then yes, they'll want to come over exactly. here. So exactly. it's great. Yeah. Well, well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had we had some some um, customers who 
ordered it every single week, which yes. was fantastic. And they went on Instagram and they just the comments were fantastic, and it just felt rewarding, you know, to to not only feel that um, that's um, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, the support, but um, the appreciation, you know, that, that people were still wanting to, to show their love and it felt great, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, so and here we are after a massive couple of months. I think the end of the year was great for everyone, but especially us as well. So, yeah, very happy with our response. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> Long totally. may it last. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was having a little bit of, look, of a look at Norton's online and so mm. on, and um, and I see that you've got a really strong focus on sustainability and um, using local producers and so on. And I also really yeah. loved um, your part of the Good Fish project. Yes, because yeah. um, I've spoken to Sasha Rust in the past, yes. and I've been out with a group of chefs, and somehow I got invited as well to go Amazing. out to um, Corner Inlet to okay. where they were doing uh, having a day with the fishermen and going out on the boats and just having that real connection of chef with. Um, supplier or that whatever. That special, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Uh, Alex sourcing is um, is very important to us. Um, we work very closely with a lot of farmers out in Gippsland, um, and it's I think it's it's becoming increasingly aware about uh, sort of factory farming and and how animals deserve a lot of a better life and and um, to be read um, in a better environment and um, yeah so that's why we do the best we can to source the best we can so, yeah yeah is it more expensive to go to those kinds of top line I, I don't know I'm just thinking you know people always make that comment from home cooks and so on that buying organic and so on is more expensive does it work out that it's going to be harder for your for your um, profit margin or is it, it it certainly is yeah it certainly is uh, and, and being in, in, in the pub trade um, we can't charge premium prices that you, that you might find at the, uh, the finer or high-end restaurants. So um, there's a bit more pressure on the food cost, but that's just down to us to, to manage that. And um, we've got a very strong team who are very aware of that. They love working with the better produce, and so we just make sure that there's very little wastage. Um, to tie in with that sort of source, we use a lot of uh, to nose to tail as well, uh, full animal butchery, and and therefore we get a better price on all those cuts as well. So there's. Well, that kind of ties into itself with regarding this with the sourcing. And so are you doing things like filleting your own fish? I know that's a stupid question, but lots of places don't. Fish and chips we don't, but yeah. um, whole fish we do. So during the month of this, uh, November, December, we got a whole barane as our, as our plated fish. Um, and we did all the filleting ourselves. Um, but through the rest of the year, we try and go to corner inlets only because, again, because of their sort of fishing practices mm. and how much we agree with that, um, limiting their, what they're pulling out and, and making sure it's the, the freshest and best that it can be. Um, mm. and, and yeah, we break all that fish down ourselves. And um, yeah, it's fun, it's, it's really good. It's a big thing though, isn't it? Because I'm a, was it a couple of years ago when things were really coming to the forefront about um, wage cost and all that sort of thing and, and not getting chefs or wait staff or whoever in hospitality work too many hours and so I remember speaking to a couple of chefs who said you've got to make you've got to cut corners somehow and training staff to fill it or to do some of those extra things when you can get supplies in already done it's a there's so much to consider <laughs> all yes. the time for yeah. you yeah there's there's a lot of pressure um especially in the senior chefs um to manage those costs both food and wage um but it's, it's equally and if not more important to make sure the next generation of chefs that we are putting out have those skills. Um, I was just actually talking to one of our suppliers this morning from Barongaruk and, and they love the fact that we take the full pick from them and it's, it's important that um, the apprentices that we have 
don't just pick up the phone and place an order for five pork cutlets. You know, they, they realize where those pork cutlets are situated on the whole animal. They realize the amount of work it takes to get to it and the meat surrounding it and how they can utilize that. And, uh, and that is, um, like I said, is equally as important as being able to sort of just cook a steak. Um, mm. So we actually uh, made the decision last year to close on Mondays going forward um, and, and take it as an opportunity to train staff on one of those Mondays per month. So on a, on a close day, we'll come in, we'll get a couple of whole animals in and just break them down in the kitchen. And then it could be a pasta day, it could be a whole fish day, it could be a whole pig day, a whole lamb, whatever that training day might be. And then we spend time with the chefs and trying to encourage them. And obviously it's a paid for shift. Um, and that's a cost that the restaurant can absorb, but it's, it's, it feels better for us to be able to strengthen our chefs and then release them into the world a bit wiser and a bit more intelligent and knowing what they're doing. And I guess that engenders more respect too for the food they're working with. I think, you know, talking to people like Annie Smithers and so on who grow, you know, 95% of what she serves in her restaurant and um, treats yeah. them. She said that um, she's noticed that the young people have a lot more respect. They're less likely to waste product if they understand how it's come from, you know, you've nurtured something through from a seed and you're putting it on the plate. Absolutely, um, absolutely. It must be the same with meat and breaking that down. Yeah, precisely. And and um, I look at the young girls, they love watching us follow that whole process from start to finish and, and their respect is definitely sort of sort of growing within them. And um, if that can be installed from a, from a young age as a chef, then they're going to be incredible chefs by the time they become a sous chef or a head chef, you know. They, 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 their mind is just going to be so much more aware of how to to utilize all those different pieces, be it, be it plant-based or meat-based, and um, can, only good can come from it, absolutely. Yeah. What was your journey? Did you always know you were going to be a chef? Oh, it's a bit cliche, but um, I think my mother inspired me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, grew up rural um, South Africa, um, where produce in the immediate was fantastic, but getting it in from various others uh, or other provinces was quite difficult. Um, and uh, yeah, just spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mother, um, who at that stage was working in textiles and then has actually just opened a restaurant of her own a couple of years back. Oh, wow. And yeah, has a really small sort of restaurant, only about 40 seats. Um, and it's, it's pretty tough in South Africa at the moment, yeah. but um, she grows a lot of her own vegetables and, uh, and serves them basically in the restaurant only a couple of meters from where they were growing. So there's a lovely story there and, and she inspires me a lot with that. Um, so uh, I worked in Cape Town for a couple of years at a couple of um, pretty good restaurants, but then decided it was time to, to earn the colors and moved to the UK where um, I was for 10 years and did a range of different sort of styles of catering, um, big five-star hotels, fine outing restaurants, and then fell into the pub um, game where I met Ryan Moses and um, and my wife, now Laura, who's one of the one of the owners of the business as well. So, um, yeah, and then Ryan one day popped the question and said, "Hey, listen, I want to go back home to, to Melbourne." And I was like, "Well, I'm ready for a new adventure." So, here we are, six oh, years later. So, yeah. yeah, and loving Melbourne. It's just such a fantastic food scene. You know, it's so diverse and it's um, it's it's always growing and changing a lot more than elsewhere in the world that I've come across. So, yeah, it's a great space. And it would be quite different to, to London just in terms of, I guess, I mean, I think, I think I'm from New Zealand, from Christchurch, so Melbourne's a big city to me, but London's even bigger and, and I'd, you know, well, Melbourne has a lot of pressure in terms of food and, um, yes. and making it and all that kind of thing, but I guess, yeah, London must have been a really good, tra- were you a head chef over there as well? Um, yeah, I started off um, 
in uh, in fleet as a as a chef de party at the um, at the Fafta Hotel, and then went up to Northern Ireland as a sous chef, and then back to London again as a sous chef, and then as a head chef um, at um, a pub in Belgravia. So uh, yeah, I was there for, uh, for four years or so, and you again you're working with incredible produce from all over Europe, and it's um, it was just fantastic. You know, it's such a diverse sort of. Um, staff base from all over the world and 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 their skills and um and knowledge it was just such a mixing pot of cultures and uh and abilities mm. uh, it was a great space for me to grow not only as a, pe- as a person but as a chef as well mm. and and it gave me a lot more confidence when i when i moved over here mm. um and moving back to melbourne i didn't i didn't feel like i wanted to step back into that same role straight away i just wanted to get an understanding of the culture the style of food down here so Started off um, at a brunch restaurant, actually, <laughs> as a um, as a sous chef, and just to you know get an understanding um, and work away from that. Yeah, mind you, brunch I think in cafes have have become. This is my analogy, which is right or wrong, but um, it's a bit like you know when we were growing up, TV stars were kind of like the lesser stars and film stars were the big thing, and now I feel like um, cafes cafe chefs have become. These great gods like film stars now, it's definitely not a lesser thing to be working in a cafe, is it? (laughs) No, definitely not, definitely not. And it's, um, I I think it's, I mean, people don't, don't queue to to go into a pub or to go into a fine dining restaurant, but they'll queue to go to, into a brunch restaurant. And, and it's, it's gone from being poached eggs and bacon on toast to these incredible developed dishes that are flavour combinations that you can expect to see on a three-hat restaurant menu. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's quite crazy how that sect of, of the tray has just exploded. Um, and it's amazing. And, and, and I worked at Hammer and Tong for, for its heyday for, um, for about five or six months. And that was just such an eye-opener. Um, yes. Working with Emma Jeffries and she was just incredible. So dynamic and so diverse. I've spoken just, to Emma, yes. Yeah, she's an amazing chef. And, um, and that was a lot of fun. And poaching eggs for 400 customers to order <laughs> on a breakfast service. I was like, wow, this is insane. But again, I felt like I grew from that and, and learned a lot about, about the scene because it, it, there is no brunch well, there wasn't at that stage in London. It just wasn't existent. Yes. Um, and it just wasn't a way that people liked to dine. And it's, it's, it's great to see that it's so strong. Yeah, and it still so is, yeah. And they also have the same constraints, I guess, that you have in the pub, but from price-wise, price they've got, you know, there's yes. a certain you can't really go over, I don't know, $25 or really in a, in a cafe can you for brunch no, but, um, you but you've got to do as you say those incredible <laughs> dishes yes yeah. again a lot of pressure on the food costs and i think that's um we've also i've also learned that um again in comparison of australia to to the uk where it's, it's quite easy to charge excessively and in the uk you know i think the prices are just assumed that's what they are but mm. over here people are quite a bit more um, sensitive to those high prices, so there's a lot more pressure on, especially that menu and brunches. Yeah. So how do you, where do you start when you, I was going to say, when you create a menu, given it's a pub, but it's a, obviously a, fan, a fancy pub, um, you're, you've got a beautiful specials board and you've got all, the, you know, all your amazing suppliers and so on, do you, how often are you changing your menu? Is it, is it... Um, we change our menu four times a year to follow the seasons. Um, we have a sect called uh, the Feature Producer, where we focus on um, various producers around um, the country, more specifically Victoria, but we also branch out, branch out nationwide. Um, and we focus on their product, um, be it Azuri from Delta, are doing an amazing burrata, or a Barongaroo pork, or Chibichu Organics. And 
um, we create a special around that item. The special might change three or four times in the two, three week cycle that we're um, featuring them. Um, and we write a little blurb about them and put them on the menu to try and, try and create a bit more awareness. Um, and also, I think the underlying message is that working directly with suppliers um, or producers, sorry, should I say, is, is I think that a lot more chefs should really be doing as well. Yeah. Um, and then for the rest of the menu, it's, it's, um, it's always been an ambition to make it as balanced as possible. Um, a lot of gluten-free options, a lot of vegan and vegetarian, because um, that's the way I love to eat. I was vegetarian for a few years of my life, and um, there's obviously a strong following for that sort of style of, of eating. Um, so yeah, just focusing on, on keeping it pub friendly, um, not trying to recreate the wheel, just doing classic food uh, but as well as we can, um, and just keeping it sort of um, easy to understand, not too complicated, but still a pub, pub friendly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite, quite a lot of aspects to it, but yeah. And <clears throat> do you think about food all the time? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I um, um, um and and uh, this is actually one of the first things I ask chefs when they come to the kitchen um, on a trial basis. Or I try and find out what they like to cook at home if they like to cook at home. I, I cook at home all the time. It's actually where I enjoy my cooking the most. It's there's just no pressure. It's just um, it's just fun, you know. And um, I've got my favourites. I love I love cooking spicy or Indian food. Um, and my wife is a huge fan of it as well. And we've got a little, little uh, eighteen-month-old now, and he spends a lot of time in the kitchen with us, and and cooking for him is a pleasure as well. And um, yeah, it's it's difficult to switch off. Um, I think that um, I don't dine out enough because I think that's that's a great way for chefs to grow as well. And that's I guess one of my ambitions for the new year is to try and see what other chefs are doing because um, you can only get so much through Instagram and social. You know, you actually have to go into the restaurant and understand the whole environment and and how they serving and the setting etc um but yeah it's, it's difficult to switch off but i think that's the beauty of being a chef and i don't ever want to switch off i don't think you know i think that's how um people stop having the passion for it yeah so always progressing and and obviously i mean everything you've said just exudes passion and um and love for what you do and the and the product and, and so on do you does it get stressful in the kitchen do you do you feel stressed or is it a nice buzz of it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a great buzz and um I've I've got a incredibly supportive team behind me and um and we all absorb that pressure exceptionally well um we have made it um something that we stand strong about a very strong work life balance um our chefs don't work more than six shifts a week um so they're only in the kitchen for half half the week basically um and, and you can see it in their faces when they come in in the mornings, you know, they are, they're rested, they're relaxed, they want to be there, um, they want to cook the food that we're serving. And that's in itself, give me, it gives me a lot of energy. Um, I'm very energetic myself, I like to push myself to see how much I can do. Um, and, and that is now a trait that they're picking up in themselves. Um, my sous chef Rusty is the same, very energetic. And passing that energy from the top all the way to the bottom, it, it has a, a long lasting effect throughout the day. Um, and, and yes, there are times when I'm like, oh my God, have we, have we taken on too much? Is this menu too evolved? Is this project too big for us? Um, but then you give it some more time, you put a bit more effort into it, and it finally, you know, the dust settles and you find yourself making, for example, a great sourdough that we're very proud of now. You know, it's, it's, it's not something a lot of pubs do, but we now hang our hats on a very good sourdough that we bake. So uh, that's a project we undertook last year, and it's now fully embedded into all the chefs. and. Um, yeah, it's just another thing that I guess makes us a little bit better than where we were. So, 
yeah, always progressing. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. I think that's wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much. I didn't realise we started. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.